Hello and welcome to the Film Show. I'm your host, Owen Ronane. With me, as always, Brian Lloyd and Dee Malumbi. How are you guys? Great. You okay? Right. For the people listening at home, I need you to listen to this next bit. I need you to hear this. It took three goals for Owen to get that right. But in fairness, I noticed every time. I noticed you do this thing and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Was it slicker each time? It was getting slicker each time, but you were winding up. You were like pulling away from the mic and then... Oh my God, I do do that. Throwing your head right Maybe into Maybe only it. at the very top of the show. I like it though. I, I like, like the energy. I like compilation of me going, hello, 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 hello. It yeah. sets the tone. It sets the energy I for forgot the show. my own name on the previous take. <laughs> which, uh, we're in for a good show. You'd actually already said your name, but you thought you'd forgotten your name. <laughs> but I didn't want to say it in case it put you off again. And who are you again? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good movie podcast. We're going to be talking podcast. about films today. We have Call of the Wild, Harrison Ford's new old man, I'm an old guy thing. Uh, and we have Greed, which is a film as well. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is with um, Steve Coogan. Yeah. Silly Michael Winterbottom. Yeah. It's a, it's a very silly name. Maybe we should talk about that later on. <gasps> and we should talk about our old friend Max Ramsbottom. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about him as well. Cause Would you rather be Max Bottom? Max? Max his, name is, his name is Max Ramsbottom. You could choose between Ram or Winter. Winter. Winterbottom. The other one has Ram's bottom. Yeah. I don't know. That's more sexual, I think. I mean, I don't know. See, this is it. No, like, the you... first one's like a season and then the word bottom, which is funny. But the other one is Ram's, Ram's bottom, bottom. Yeah. which sounds like a, a thrust. It does, doesn't it? Because you're ramming. It's time for movie news. Movie news. When I hear the word winter bottom, no, 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 seriously. When I hear we're not, winter, we're not still going. No, no, yeah, we are. No, this is the movie news section. I need to, I need to finish this. I need to finish my thought. When I hear winter bottom, I think of a soggy bottom, or a chilly bottom, or a chilly bottom. Whereas Ram's bottom, it's just something's hitting it. Like, why did you have to do that? Well, like, I mean, it's not like, like that's the noise for a rammed bottom. Whereas, I really wish we yeah. had the harassment bell right now. We have a harassment bell warm. in the office. Yeah. No, um, hang on. It's the HR bell. Give it its proper time. HR. Short for harassment. <laughs> this is actually, I'm surprised this hasn't come up on the podcast before. We do have a bell in the office that uh, is asked to ring uh, anytime someone says something inappropriate. Brian, you are obviously often the victim of the bell. I not am. A, and, uh, not the victim. The other people are the victim. Brian is yeah, just... Yeah, actually, we're all the victim. <laughs> well, like, okay. You're the reason d'etre? <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. are we getting into too political territory for a film show? Let's let's just talk about that Uncharted one. The bell. <laughs> yeah, no, let's... Okay. Let's unring that bell. It's lucky for you, <laughs> D. I'm very excited about this piece of news because it's a video game adaptation. Yeah, Ooh. and interestingly enough, Brian, you just wrote a piece about this about three weeks ago saying... Uncharted has been delayed again, but do we even care anymore? Like, that was literally the title of it. Um, so, D, this... I have to pause you there. Yeah? You, anytime you do that impersonation of Brian and roll your eyes is my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> you know what the sad thing is, though? I can't, unlike you guys, I can't do any kind of accents or impressions. You've so got my, them perfect. My go-to. Oh, yeah, but that's the exact same impression I use like when I'm making fun of my brother, for example. Yeah, it's perfect. So it's like my go-to. <laughs> da, da, da. I'm like, I feel like I'm right in the room <laughs> with Brian, which I might be. 
Fuck both of us, all right? Anyway, both of us. this Uncharted movie has been in development hell for about uh, 10 years now. There were six different directors attached to it, including yeah. Travis Knight, who people might remember as the director of Kubo and the Two Strings and also Bumblebee. Um, but it looks like it's finally going ahead and the director is likely going to be Ruben Fleischer. Fleischer. I Fleischer. didn't recognize him. Oh, he's the guy that did Venom. And he did oh, um, no Zombieland Double Tap as well, quite recently. Not the first one, just um, the second one. The no, second. Did, no, did he do both? He, he did the first one as oh, well. Oh, he did the oh, first okay. one too. Okay, oh, that's a good style yeah. for it. And then, we know it's going to be a normal movie. Yeah, and then um, it's kind of like slightly origins in tone. And then you've got Tom Holland playing Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg playing Sully. And it was actually Tom Holland who gave this update that it is actually going to start shooting in the next few weeks in Berlin. He was very excited Berlin, for it. No yeah, um, they're taking a lot from the fourth Uncharted game, yes. which I'm sure you guys can say more about it's if strange. that's good or not. It's rare that I can actually... like I you can see what the movie is going yeah. to be because Nathan Drake, a character uncharted, the game series is just a rip off of Indiana Jones, but they actually mm. really expanded upon it in a really good way that like it became its own thing, but it has all those kind of tropes of like chasing a moving train, shooting henchmen while jump, lots of jumping yeah. onto ledges <laughs> and throwing people off ledges yeah and skulking around like uh you know building sites and digs yeah and he's nathan drake definitely has this kind of every man whoa jeez quality despite being an efficient sharpshooter yeah it's very i tell you like the, with that article that you're referring to d like i mean i have literally been following this story professionally for, years, for the last yeah. like seven years like yeah. since i started here like i was following it like and i've been following on and off before that like i uh, don't toy with brian's no 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 it's not it's no 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 it's not an impersonation of. <laughs> that's brian's inner voice <laughs> yeah anyways what I was going to say was, was that I don't think this is going to work. And I'll tell you why I don't think this is going to work. Because I, you, you've, you've hit on the point. Uncharted is derivative. It is mm. a derivation of Indiana Jones. And, you know, Tomb Raider was kind of the same yeah. as well. Like, mm. So, like, there's a kind of thing of, why would you watch a copy of that when I can just go watch Indiana Jones? Yes. Well, like, I don't know, the, the casting of Tom Holland seems to spell it all. So, like, in the fourth game, they do, half the game is basically done in flashback, mm. where you see him growing up. Uh, and now that Mark Wahlberg has been cast as Victor Sullivan, who is in all the games, as mm. the old man who smokes a cigar. Okay, kid, what are we going to do? Literally, like, because it, it, that's it, the games are so derivative. Yeah. Like, they're you know they're in a biplane and then they land on a lake and then he whips out a cigar and goes like looks like we're a hunting treasure or <laughs> like mm. it's the most like there are plenty of gold yeah. doubloons yeah. Yeah. skeletons with conquistador helmets on uh, it's just it's so like that's what I'm so saying to do an origin story for that I don't know what like I mean I get like I, probably what Sony are banking on is one of two things they're probably thinking okay Uncharted is a really popular game franchise so mm -hmm. they're gonna think anyone who played this game is going to at least have some sort of recognition with it. And they'll probably go on the basis of 
Beck it, why not? Like, yeah. And then other people are going to see Tom Holland and they're going to be like, oh yeah, I'll totally watch him because I love... And loved... even like Mark Wahlberg would have a fandom correct. as well. Yeah, correct, yeah. correct. People are just going to be like, oh yeah, feck it, give me two for Mark Wahlberg yeah. and Tom Holland. Like, This is going to be so vanilla, isn't It's it? going to be so <laughs> shit though. Like, I am... And like, to be fair, like Zombieland Double Tap was pretty crap. Yeah. And Venom was dog shit, but somehow made tons of money. And the whole time I've been following this, I've just been like, why hasn't anyone just stood back and been like, okay, enough is enough. <laughs> Who does now. this serve? Who does this serve? It'll exactly. make money. The It'll thing is, though, money. that like, it's interesting because this is just off the back of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog as well, yeah. hitting cinemas last weekend. And it's now like... The, it now holds the record for having the biggest debut for a video game adaptation ever. So, okay. and that and that record was recently broken by. Um, so it was Pokemon Detective Pikachu, and now that's actually outrun that in terms of see what really? I did there. Outrun. Oh. Um, <laughs> nice, but nice. Um, now I'm not sure if it's. I think it's both worldwide and domestic. I know it's domestic for sure in terms of breaking the record. But it just goes to show that like people are going to see these video game adaptations. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to be left alone anytime soon, even though the standard of them tends to be poor to mediocre. Oh, really. yeah. Famously you know? poor. Like, yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's strange. Not They don't necessarily have a lot in common. Obviously, you look at like Assassin's Creed or something mm. like that, but the, it's cursed. It's a cursed genre. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen a good, like the best one I thought was Jumanji. And even at that, and that's a board game. That's a board game that yeah. I can't even play. Yeah, <laughs> and like I mean, I, you know, the art, there's been tons of like articles and kind of conjecture about why it is that it doesn't work. Like some people think like because video games are a a, a medium of entertainment where you have an active participation in it mm. versus watching a film which mm-hmm. is a receptive participation. You're watching it. You're receiving it. Like you don't have any playing it. Like, but. Personally, myself, how I've always kind of thought about it is the fact that most big video game franchises are taken from films. Yeah, yeah. And like we were talking about this last week of Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid is taking things from Rambo. It's taken things from from Escape from New York. It's taken things from feckin' James Bond. You know, any of the ones that have done well, you're talking Detective Pikachu. That's Pokemon, that's mm. as, as unique as it yeah. gets. Sonic the Hedgehog, same thing as well. It's literally dropping... They're IPs, a, like, yeah. Yeah, they're IPs, correctly. Uncharted, is, it, it, it's Indiana Jones 2.0. Yeah. So, what, what, like, why would you think it's going to work? Like? I mean, in a way, do you see it as kind of almost a derivative of a derivative? Because these <laughs> video games are taking inspiration from movies yeah. and then being made into a movie. And then by its very nature, the fact that you can't play it, it kind of becomes derived. So, yeah, yeah it's almost like funny, broken yeah. down. So the quality as a result can never be that great. Correct. Because even Correct. In, in previous game movie adaptations of games they've always tried to kind of often they'll they'll have a shot or something that you know mm. signify like i'm thinking of hitman when they yeah. have the they try and match the camera angle from the game when they're mm. following him around or whatever but to me one of the most accurate feeling of playing a video game to see and we're moving away from movies but it was the mandalorian was such a video game yeah. of a show mm. it's like him doing all these little quests and every new episode is like go fetch this thing for me or whatever. And just, I, I almost feel like, I I don't know, was there inf- inf- uh, interviews where they actually said they took that as inspiration? But I, I don't know. I think I, I could be wrong now, but I the way I always took the Mandalorian, you're absolutely right. 
it, the Mandalorian was very well, much it's a like serial, I suppose. Exactly, that's it. It's a serial, and that's what video games again took their inspiration from. It was you get to the end of the stage, you get to the end of the episode, and you'll even know this, Owen, that a lot of games now they have like episode one, episode two, episode three instead of stage yes. one, stage two, stage three, and a lot of that is due to the fact that because people who play video games now are increasingly time poor. They want to play it like they watch a TV show, as in they want to play one stage mm. and it will take them 30 to 40 minutes to play that stage. Yeah. And then when it's done, they can go away and do something else. Or a book come, chapter or anything. Or like a book that, chapter, yeah. yeah, and come back to it again and be like, right, okay, pick up where I left off. Like, so. Yeah. I also got a very kind of strong video game feel. And we were talking about this before, Brian, from The Witcher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Witcher TV show. I'm currently replaying the Witcher game oh, really? with my partner. Yeah, and uh, have you watched the really... show yet? Oh yeah, I finished the show. I couldn't, and... I couldn't help but love it. Thought, really? I, know. I no. thought it was very just okay. It's, it Same. is, of course, yeah. it is. It's horrendous in parts. Yeah, it's poor. Like, but yeah. it's it's. It reminded me of watching Xena growing up or something. It was yeah, just like that's fair. it's got that middle of the road TV. Yeah, very setty. I find. Yeah. I was yeah. watching. I was like, I could totally see this is a set. Even the like, kind of cringe acting sometimes made me like it. Like I don't know, I can't help it, but I I'm do, biased. I think as well. Yeah, like yeah, no, yeah, it's good. Yeah, Xena. Yeah, or Hercules. Remember yeah, Hercules? Disappointed. Kevin Sorbo. But I think yeah, to I don't know what I think. Video games adaptations. I think. The medium of gaming is going to evolve faster than the movies can catch yeah. up with them yes, with the adaptations. that's a very good point. If you look at something like Red Dead Redemption 2 came out recently, it's not like, oh, I can't wait for them to make a movie of Red Dead Redemption 2. It's like the format was perfect. Mm. They used yeah. the long 120 hours you can play it for to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's how you use the medium or whatever. So Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's move on to movie reviews. Movie reviews. Here we go. First up, Call of the Wild. Old ass Harrison Ford. I'm desperate to see if he's grumpy again. Yes. And he's got a dog with him. And he's got a dog. He's got a dog with him. I love this. Does the dog melt his heart like the glacial Yukon Obviously Valley? Obviously he does. It's Harrison Ford. He always plays the grumpy man with a heart of gold. And it just takes some love interest slash animal slash child to get to that part of Harrison Ford. Oh, that could have been really misinterpreted. Actually, the way I I just realised as I was saying it. um, (laughs) It's got a bit of a winter bottom. um, (laughs) Moving swiftly on. Um, So this is actually an adaptation of Jack London's book. We were talking about this. Yeah, and Jack London is a fabulous writer. He also wrote... um, White Fang The Call of the Wild is actually fairly short I would almost describe it more as a novella than a novel so I suppose that meant it could be adapted into a movie quite easily but I just felt kind of watching this and I'm sorry to use the word derivative again but yeah there's something about it that felt like it was kind of not really getting to so cheesy but not really getting to the heart of like Jack London's book and it just felt like the story was just kind of neatly repackaged and made to basically go out go out to market and go sell to families uh, which i felt slightly cynical about um also i have to make the point um it was the first time i've seen a fox movie where it's no longer fox so you have the you know and then it says um i think it was searchlight pictures so it doesn't say or, or, else, or, else century it was, pictures. or else it was 20, 
20th century. Yeah, 20th century. 20th century. Or else yeah. it might have said 20th century. I know that they're both being used depending on which it kind of belongs was to. Was Fox Searchlight, what 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 defined that? It was just its own production. It was, yeah, Fox Searchlight was basically like indie films. It was like they were big. And <laughs> it was their A24 kind Correct. of style stuff. Correct. Right? Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> like the like the favorite was Fox Searchlight. Oh, and okay, The right. Shape of Water was Fox Searchlight. Mm. Whereas, you know, Predator or Alien was... Mm. 20th century, 20th century Fox. Fox. Fox yeah. so like I think a, it's like 20th century studios now. Is yes. that And then it's like Searchlight Pictures. Correct. Um, yeah, so this is a Disney yeah, movie. It's weird. In every yeah, sense of the word. Yeah, but now it's Disney. And yeah, it's interesting that it is so Disney-like. Is totally. It? Is it? Um, who's the audience? Do you know what I mean? I could, a family audience. Yeah. Definitely. So it's Kids G-rated and their or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean... Look, it's a dog movie. I, I'm starting to get really sick of these dog movies. I saw Dog's Purpose, right, a few years ago. Yeah. And that actually kind of, it did kind of strike a chord in my heart, yeah. the story. And then they did A Dog's Journey. And they did the spin-off A Dog's Way Home. And then last year, I was actually checking this, we had four Actually, I think we had five, including oh, a dog story. Oh, I saw the bus ads. So many what dog was, movies. There the was family. The, <laughs> there was the art of racing in the rain. Oh yeah, with Amanda Seafried uh, and Milo. Milo Ventimiglia. That's Holy, how you say it. That's why we keep you. <laughs> and then you had uh, Show Dogs with Will Arnett. You had yes. Patrick, which was which was a Disney movie with an adorable mischief-making pug. And yeah. you had the Queen's Corgi, which is just... That we don't speak of. We do not speak of the Queen's Corgi. In any case, I'm getting really kind of sick of these dog movies because they're becoming too kind of easy yeah. in terms yeah. of like you're going to win over an audience because you can't dislike a dog movie because that means you dislike dogs and then you're a monster. Oh my God. So, yeah, good point. There you go. So, <laughs> And I mean, like, in terms of, like, plot and everything, this was just so kind of basic. Why is he looking at a treasure map at one stage and talking to the dog? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> he, go, he goes out in search of gold right. and he has this other kind of gold prospector played by Dan Stevens who's basically playing like a kind of mustache twirling bad guy Brilliant. who's also off in search of this gold. Yeah. And yeah, it just kind of, and I get that this is like, you know, part of the book and everything, but it just seems so like I don't know, like I said, just... Ready-made. Like. Yeah, ready-made. That's, that's the it right It has to be said, this is a fully CGI dog. Yeah, that's and another thing about it. Did you make peace with that or... I actually did. It was different. To, is it as good as Lion King or something or... Like well, that? I still... You, would you believe I still haven't seen The Lion King because I genuinely refuse to watch that yeah. movie because... <laughs> You're not missing anything. I've actually just heard so much mediocre stuff about it. I'm like not bothered after you've you know? seen it you will have seen it and that's it yeah and and i kind of would rather just watch the original again yeah <laughs> and another point i make actually about seeing dog movies is why don't you use that time and spend it with actual dogs because they're god's greatest <laughs> gift people dogs and animals in general it's actually when we're recording this it's um oh i forget the name of the hashtag i think it's love your pet day on twitter so oh go my ahead God. And, um, Do, can we post pets Twitter. To the film show Twitter. Yes. I've actually already posted about Cleo, so we can we can share it if you yeah. want. Because she is adorable. Um, but yeah, regarding just the CGI <laughs> thing, I'll say quickly, um, you do get used to the look of it. 
and the texture of it is gorgeous the way the light bounces off it I was also impressed by the way Harrison Ford was able to like pet it and actually integrate with it because okay. I sometimes find there's like this awkward distance. yeah you can see them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or like remember with Detective Pikachu like yeah. they kind of crouch down and talk to their Pokemon but not actually like touch them because yeah. they're like we need to leave room for the CGI and these are all That's like different shaped space. creatures yeah, yeah. So just look at the tennis ball you know yeah. um but they actually gave the CGI dog quite a bit of breath in terms of like how he could physically move and show emotion. So I felt kind of bad that a real dog lost out on the gig because basically oh. they don't have the acting range. Okay, they give him a bit of extra face or something. Yeah, to... exactly. So it's kind of like, you know how humans are associated with projecting emotions onto dogs? Like in this case, it's like, no, that dog is definitely depressed. That dog is angry. <laughs> That dog is really glaring at Harrison Ford for reaching for that alcohol bottle. Oh my oh, God, how does yeah. he understand? I know, it's a bit, ugh, it's a bit I love mushy. slagging things. But like, <laughs> I tell you, no, in, in all seriousness, as I was looking at this, there is just such a bang. We've talked about it on this show before. There is an absolute bang of big, big movie off this. Yeah. True, very There true. is a total wow. like Saturday afternoon watching The Call of yeah. the Wild with Harrison Thunder Ford mountain kind of vibe or exactly something. yeah 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 or like homeward bound or <laughs> the memphis bell any of these like ron howard would have directed does this it live up to homeward bound in any sense of the word well i mean <laughs> see i'm i'm whatchamacallit i'm biased i'm biased with my childhood nostalgia yeah. but i do think that there is more charm when they use actual animals i do sure, still right, genuinely yeah. feel that way do you think CGI. if they had if they think if they had used a real dog in this you would have had a better opinion of it not particularly because i still am coming into it with the cynicism of the dog movie thing because i've i've seen all of them yeah Brian. no same no <laughs> i saw a dog's lot. way home i saw a dog's way home like that, that's pretty like gee, like i remember Please. going to see a dog. dog's purpose the first one and i was like how the f- like, I was enjoying it, but like, it was total, you are absolutely 100% hurting that dog or making it appear like you're hurting that dog to mm. play on my strings. Like, it's yes. so fucking exploitative. Yes. And, yeah. and dogs dying always make people die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, always make people <laughs> cry. People <laughs> yeah. No, it always makes people cry. And in this movie, the dog dies several times. Like, my heart couldn't take it anymore. I yeah. meant in this movie. No, no, no. In yeah. a dog's purpose, because the whole point is he's being reincarnated. He's being yeah. reincarnated, like, you know. It's funny, isn't it? It's like formulaic emotion. It still counts. I don't know. Like that's it. I, I, I wonder if there is something in it that, like, being this formulaic, like something like the Call of the Wild is. I haven't seen it, and I don't think I'm gonna go see it either. Right. To be honest, as much for I know. I'd see this is it. I totally would. I would mm. totally stump up because it's like it's got dogs. It's got Harrison Ford. It's got people being outdoors. You know, like, this is, like, ticking all my fucking boxes. <laughs> Throwing a horse and I'm there. Like, um, but, I don't know, there's something about this that, yeah, I just feel like it's it's too... It's an absolute uh, 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 midterm film. Yeah. Yes, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. it's total, like, oh, your grandparents will bring you to see the yeah, call of the wild. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, and that's, I think there's... Re- how does it serve as that? Do you know what I mean? Is, yeah, it, is it worth taking your kids to... It's fine. It's a pleasant movie. And actually, um, someone was kind of, I can't remember who was asking me outside, um, is this movie going to make me cry? I'm like, if your question is the dog survives, spoiler alert, yeah, he's fine. So don't worry, the kids won't be traumatized at the end. And I love that you guys are like visibly relieved. 
Um, but yeah, imagine it was like spoiler. No, no, the dog dies. Dead. Okay, just comes out of nowhere and slams into it. That's horrible. God, I'm sorry. I feel terrible. Brian, that's yeah. not the call of the wild at but all. But you'll basically watch this movie, go home, completely forget all about it. Yeah. That kind of film. Two stars? Yeah, I think, I think I gave it two. I was I was a bit harsh, but also I... Oh, what did I say? I said it was uninspired and uninspiring. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, you're probably right. It's just... All right, I'm going to keep moving. I often dwell in these things where I go, no... Oh. That's a shame, yeah. I mean, I'm disappointed, but like, yeah, you're probably right. Probably. I wonder to the listeners, like, you can tell me, dear listener, is it like, anytime I go, no, oh, are you also going, yeah. I don't know. It's a valid question. Valid question. We'd have yeah. to ask them, I guess. Or maybe Tweet they're going, at the film hmm. show. Hmm. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Or they could be going, uh, review number two, greed. Yeah. This was pretty poor as well, actually. That's so disappointing. It is really disappointing. Now, to be fair, though, what I will say about Greed is is the fact that, you know, I really, really enjoyed the trip. I really, really enjoyed the work of Michael Winterbottom. I think Steve Coogan is one of the best comedy actors working today. Wow. I really do think he is such a fucking strong uh, performer. He has such a grasp of all breaths of humour and also the dramatic as well because you yeah. only need to look at something like Philomena to know that he can mm. fucking act when he puts yeah. his mind to it like, and he wrote that and he wrote it yeah exactly um, the problem going into greed is is that it's trying to and we were talking about this day when mm. we came out give of it give a bit of an old synopsis oh there. the synopsis yeah so it's essentially it's a take off of uh, Sir Philip Green for people who don't know who Sir Philip Green is, is he was the owner of Topshop and he is basically a bit of a scumbag he basically <laughs> uh you know buys clothes on the chief from third world countries ships them to the uk then sells them in the shops when the shops go tits up he then strips the assets of it so sells off all the stock sells the buildings pockets the money then declares bankruptcy so that he doesn't have to pay anybody but wow. keeps the money himself yeah it's what it's what philip green did <clears throat> to make all his money and um and that's essentially well, rinse it. and repeat that. Rinse and repeat. That's it. Just boom, 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 again and again and again. Um, and what the film follows is is this guy uh, Richard McCready, who's Stephen Coogan's character. It's his sixtieth birthday, and he's having it in uh, Greece, mm. and he's obsessed with Gladiator. But while he's doing <laughs> this, it's also cutting back to this uh, government inquiry into his practices, and right. they're showing how evil he is, and all this kind mm. of thing. While that's happening, you're getting a throwback to the 80s when he first started and you find out that when he was in school, uh, he was kind of bullied because <clears throat> his father was a bit of a con artist as well. Yeah, yeah. And his this mother- all sounds really interesting. You see, that's just it. That's the fucking problem. This should have worked. I went into this and was like, oh my God, I love the trip. I love Michael Winterbottom. Fucking ready for this. Now, maybe it was... He does improv takes and stuff as well. So Yeah, yeah. 100%. And you could see that Steve Coogan understood this character. But the problem is, is that the focus of the film is so wide. He's trying Mm -hmm. to cast such a big net that he actually ends up taking nothing in. It focuses on fast fashion and how ecologically destructive it is. It focuses on the refugee crisis because... Where the the party's happening in Greece, there are Syrian refugees on the beach near okay. to him, and he's trying to shove them off. Uh, then it okay. goes into a whole thing about reality TV and how it's completely fake because his daughter's on this kind of Made in Chelsea kind of thing. Oh no, it's mm. 
Then it goes into the whole thing of celebrity endorsement of the fast fashion culture because like the entire time like it's oh he's you know influencers or something. yeah he's trying to get like oh Ed Sheeran's cancelled and Keith Richards isn't coming but we've got Stephen Fry <sighs> and then he's like oh we'll just get celebrity lookalikes and shit like that and oh, it's <clears throat> it's it's the kind of thing like it's firing on all cylinders and it really is just hurling shit at the screen mm. to see what works and the fact is is that none of it really has any kind of impact now that's not starts to, to come across as a bit smug even or yeah, in parts. Like, David Mitchell's character is very, like, the... Oh, it's great to see him in a feature. He's basically... His role is he's this journalist who's doing this kind of expose type of thing. No, no, he's a puff piece. He's writing his biography. Oh, the puff piece. Sorry, okay. he just seems so, like, cynical through it. I was wondering yeah. if it was building up to that. But then, yeah, to be honest, this movie was so all over the place for me, I didn't even get his role properly. No clearly. way, but yeah, what, um, did, what did you think of it? No, I, I'd have to agree with Brian. Yeah, it was complete. There was just no real sense of direction. And you could even see that in the comedy scenes. And it's interesting you mentioned there about um, the improv, because you can absolutely see that, that they were kind of given free reign and no direction. And as a result, not a lot of the jokes landed. So even as like a comedy and a satire, it didn't really work. Yeah. But basically, I think, yeah, I, I'd agree. He was, he, was just trying, he was just trying to do too much. And in the end, he doesn't really... Do anything. Say anything. Yeah. And it's a shame too because you've got a great cast in there. Obviously, we mentioned Steve Coogan, David Mitchell. There's also like Isla Fisher and Asa Butterfield. No way. And Asa Butterfield plays his, is it his son? His son, yeah. Yeah, his son. And he's kind of real jealous of his dad or whatever. Okay, yeah. Um, but that role didn't really kind of work for me either. And same with Isla Fisher. And she she's a great comedian. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, really, that's really, really disappointed. Yeah. It is, that's it. Because again, if you're such a Steve Coogan fan, what it sounds like is that it would have been a perfect repertoire character for him to maybe start a TV show or, you know, mm. start up a new relevant series about this yeah. exploitative capitalist or whatever it is. Absolutely, that's it. Like, I think if he was, you know, I was watching it and the whole time I was thinking, you know, Succession did this and did it better. And I know Succession is the high watermark for, mm. you know, satires about billionaires mm -hmm. in the modern age. Yeah. It is the high watermark. But I feel like with, you know, when you compare to The Trip, which is Michael Winterbottom's, you know, most recognisable work, that works because it's small little vignettes. It's small little scenes mm. where it's basically just two men, you know, who can't connect with each other on a normal level. So they yeah. have to constantly one up each other with comedy and yeah. then you get these small little glimpses of their life underneath and that works um, and that allows for as many takes as you like that allows for that improvisational yeah. thing and it keeps moving <clears throat> correct but when you try to put that into a, a normal linear narrative like greed where it's about this man and it's about his party and it's about how it's coming off the rails and it's about all these different things. You need a director who can really fucking, you know, stick it on a line and make it follow that line. Yeah. Rather than a director who's just going to let them fucking take 20 takes and will just pluck the best one out of it and hope for it. Like, yeah, you know, like, anyway. exactly. Yeah. Like, Adam McKay, I think, does it very, very well. And I don't think yeah, he gets enough credit true. for it. Like, when I mean, you look at the Big Short, Big Short is a very, very improvisational film. Yes. However. Do you think he gives them tighter beats or I also think it's down to the fact that he his scripts you yeah. know there is real focus in those correct. scripts correct yeah you know? and that's it it's like in this scene we're gonna talk about how you know um, the bond market is full of shit 
okay, now do whatever you want, but you've got to hit these one, two, three points. Yes. Mm. Um, whereas in Greed, it's like, okay, in this scene, uh, fuck, I don't know. Just, They're you're just ha- bringing in all sorts of themes and yeah. ideas. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in like, oh, the, 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 the Colosseum that you want built isn't working. Riff on it. And they, like, <laughs> they'll do their best. They're all really, really strong comedic actors like Isla Fisher. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. But it's so it's so lackadaisy there's no real kind of rhythm or to it that Mm -hmm. it ultimately just becomes stop starty kind of thing and it just loses its focus it's a real shame because I really fucking wanted this to be good yeah Yeah, it's very messy and like the first half of it feels like it's a comedy satire and then it starts to get quite serious towards the end and yet they're still bringing in these comedic moments and just the beats are completely off sure it just didn't work and like watching it it actually was almost kind of unpleasant because it just felt like it was always just off the mark and just messy it felt like a disorganized movie yeah and um, that's such a directionless. It's like you have you have you have goodwill towards it, and then you're getting annoyed that they're letting mm. you down when you're yeah. rooting for yeah. them or something. Because I did feel like that there was good intent behind this. I felt like they were really trying to entertain you and make you laugh, but then also trying to make you think about these deep, you know, compelling issues. And these issues are important and everything to talk about. It, they just went about it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. I wonder, like, I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about it, like, okay, what if they turned it into a TV series? Might that have been better? And I yeah, don't maybe. think, it, I don't know, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I well, just think, yeah, it's kind of like if he doesn't have a sense of direction in a feature, how is he going to be able to kind of constrict himself to a per episode correct, kind of basis? Sure, yeah, you know yeah that's I mean? what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think his biggest film is Twenty Four Hour Party People as well. Great is, film. Yeah, is there? A, there's no fourth wall breaking, I suppose, in this. No, none whatsoever. And like, maybe that might have worked. I don't know. Like, it's just, it, it, it was. There was the, so much going on. I feel like that would have just been another thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, because the flashbacks were kind of distracting enough as it is. Sure. And then like intertwi- intertwining all of this was David Mitchell running around talking to the people who knew him. Mm. And then it's kind of like, oh, is it like they're doing flashback interviews? Is that what this is? It's just, yeah. it was unfocused. That's yeah. the word for it, unfocused. And you did find, like, it's interesting that you mentioned um, a couple of his other movies and you said, um, you mentioned Succession because as I was watching this, I felt like, I feel like there are other movies that have addressed these kind of themes and separately better. better. Sure. Like yeah. I was thinking of Parasite in terms of like looking at the rich poor divide. Wealth, yeah. I was thinking of Crazy Rich Asians in terms of like showing off the opulence. Yeah. So yeah, just other films have kind of done it better. And it even reminded me and I cannot remember for the life of me the name of the movie Steve Coogan and Imogen Poots. Oh, what's it called? And it also follows this like mogul entrepreneur. I can't remember. But I felt that that like kind of hit the beats in terms of you being like kind of almost, I wouldn't say jealous of him, but he kind of yeah. goes on the rise and rise. What movie and then, is that? That's what I'm trying to mad. I need, I need to look it up it? again. But I remember watching it and actually thinking it was quite good. And it was probably because um, Steve Coogan pulled it off so well in Emission Poots. And I don't think it did great, but I thought it was quite good. I need to look it up, to be honest, because yeah. I've just been thinking about it the last couple of days yeah. since seeing Greed, you know? I just think it's funny to say the word Imogen Poots. I'm just trying to think of that film. That's going to drive me mad. Who else was in it? That Imogen Poots one. <laughs> Forget <laughs> fucking greed. I'm not rebelling on it. They're the podcast. two that come to my mind because Imogen Poots pay, plays his daughter in it. Oh my God. I can't think of that film at all. You know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to Google it because this is going to annoy me. It is going to annoy you. I know. But like, with regards to Steve Coogan though, I think 
you know, I, I, I always got the, sound, the sense with him that he is, by the one hand, trying to run away from Alan Partridge and, like, taking on any role he can get his hands on. Yeah. Like, something like this. When, mm-hmm. like, I'd say when Michael Winterbottom came to him and said, right, okay, you're not playing yourself. You're not going to play Alan Partridge. You're going to play this really rich uh, asshole Philip Green type. He was like, fucking sign yeah, me the fuck up. Yes, finally. anything. Anything I can yeah. do to get away from Alan Partridge. Like, I've even- seen a lot of interviews with him and he seems to, he went over to Hollywood. Yeah. He had a lot of flops. He did. Yeah, he got really unlucky with... Um, Shanghai Nights. Yeah. He was in Macbeth 2. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he I think he that's why he started writing and kind of carving out stuff for himself but yeah that's why something like Philomena is so reassuring yeah I think it's it's yeah I mean he I think he would be maybe as well famously a bit difficult to work with I've heard that yeah although that has nothing to do with this no 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 I mean there was a great interview I think it was in the Guardian um it was about the trip to Greece and it was Rob Bryden and Steve Coogan were talking about and Bryden was like as a man to work with he's fantastic in his personal life, he's a fucking mess. Really? Yeah. yeah. And like, I... I was in, he's good for takes and stuff, but he's a... But like, get him outside and, you know, it, the ball. It, be, it can be a bit much. Like, and I think maybe that informs certain amounts of his comedy as well. Because you look at like, the, the the very first one of the trip, like, yeah, it's very raw. Like, you can tell that it seems very personal for yeah, him as well. Very, yeah, it's a really good movie to recommend, actually. Yeah, it's fantastic. If you can see it, it's definitely worth it. Speaking of, it? by the way, I did find it, and it is another Michael Winterbottom movie. It's The Look of Love. Uh, oh! Do you remember this one? Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I haven't seen it for years. It actually came out in 2013, but I remember watching it and quite liking it. And it's just funny that that reminded me of it because I didn't realize that was also Michael Winterbottom. You've nailed but there the you director. Go. Yeah. Film critic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what did you give it? What was the review? Oh, I wrote it. I gave it two out of five. Yeah, no yeah. way. I think okay, I yeah. probably would have given the same. Yeah, yikes. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Gonna put you on the spot. What's coming out next week? <laughs> Dark Waters. That. Dark Waters. Dark Waters is coming out. The Invisible oh, Man. Oh, is that Mark Ruffalo? What's going on? There's big, big business. Yeah, give I mean, it he's like rest. running around with a briefcase, and he's got like a receding hairline. I <laughs> really want to see that. I do too. I hope it's like the report. <laughs> For all the slagging we're doing, yeah, no, he, and um, I'll, I'll have things to say about it. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen yeah. It. Oh, I'll have things to say. Oh dear. Well, I've said, I said, hey, this that to could be already. a good weird groan. <laughs> Maybe it's a <laughs> what's like that? <laughs> um, and then the Invisible Man, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, is out next week as well. And we all have to watch Kevin Bacon's The Invisible Man now and prep for that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that was um, Hollow Man, oh, Hollow yeah. Man, with uh, Paul Paul Verhoeven. Josh Brolin was in there. Yeah, really. Josh Brolin was uh, the Josh wife, Brolin. Uh, his ex-wife's now boyfriend, and Rowan Amitra was in it, and uh, yeah, it's terrible. Do you know what? Okay, we're going to end the episode, mm-hmm. but we were about to let it slide without noting Brian's piece. On the sexiest scenes in cinema. Sexiest movies. Oh, okay. All movies generally. Yeah, all movies generally. The 69 sexiest movies of all time. <laughs> oh, yeah. The look you're giving. Oh, yeah. What? Uh, oh, do you yeah. want to give us a little taste? Oh, I'll give you a taste. Entertainment.ie. Mm. First spell. Ding! <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what the number one was, and I'll fight any man who says otherwise. The sexiest film of all time. Oh, no. Out of sight. <laughs> yeah. 
Have, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I haven't yet. seen it. I'm telling you right now. I, I please. And is I, this going to be another one of those things where it only applies to you? No, no. I swear to God. I it's really like when he adjudicated the Bond themes, and everyone's like, "No, Brian, you're just wrong." <laughs> you ranked were them. way off on "You Only Live Twice." That's top three. Bullshit! It is. Bullshit! It is. And that's not just because of Robbie. No, forget that. That's why. See, that's why it's not in the top ten because I keep thinking of that fucking. He song. ruined that. The original is amazing. The original is amazing, but I can't hear that song, the original, without thinking of Poxy Robbie Williams. No, if I had my way, if I had my way, Gladys Knight, License to Kill, would have been number one. Oh. But I got shouted down. And I had to put in Shirley Bassey. Diamonds are forever. Okay. D, what was your number one uh, Bond song? Oh well, see, I haven't seen any of the old ones, so. I mean, I've seen some of them, but like I wouldn't have seen. I think enough you'd of take them. a lot out of them. Yeah, I mean, maybe bored. I'm, I'm pretty well. sure that when I was young, I saw Goldfinger into Rush with Love because I think my cousin had them on video, but I don't remember them. I remember the lady painted in gold, and that's then she died. I know that's gold. Have you seen Golden Eye with Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> oh, I think I have seen that. They're, honestly, they're the, all really forgettable. They are all the same. You know what I watched? Sorry, I know we have to wrap up soon, but do you know what I watched this week again? What? Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. It is so, yeah, so good. Mads it is Mikkelsen. just like action scene after action scene. Yeah, he's so good at the villain. Evergreen is so good at the Bond girl. Everything about that movie is just so, so good. I think it was the best one of the era overall. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot probably, of noise around Skyfall, but I I'd, think it's a better film. I'd probably, Casino. yeah, I'd yeah. probably consider it a better film. I mean, do I remember there was a whole thing about like, oh, it didn't have a car chase. Fuck that! It has the world record for most barrel rolls. There is a car a car chase when he's chasing, and then it yeah, that's flips. what I'm saying. But that's yeah. that's the only one car chase in it. Like, yeah, ah, it counts. That's what I'm saying. I was like, yeah, I'd rather that. Like, look at Quantum of Solace. It opens with a car chase. Yeah, and like that's the only thing I remember about you were, Quantum of Solace. You were dead on about the Jack White. Tune. Oh, that's such it's bullshit. Miserable. Miserable. Sad. Like, yeah, you yeah. came across so sad. Did you add in the Billie Eilish one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I put that at number 13. Okay. Do you yeah. know what else you did over? What? I can't even remember now. I'm so mad. Madonna's Die Another Day. <laughs> Get, listen. Listen. See you. Go fuck yourself. Terrible. Terrible. Terrible song. Terrible song. It's not my time to go. Oh my God. I also like Die Another Day. There we it's go. It's a catchy pop song. It absolutely is movie. Get... <laughs> Listen, the Perry is... No coming. time for a rebuttal. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.